Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Up the gut, Mensa pops three. To the five, touchdown, UConn. Kevin Mensa with his third rushing touchdown of the year from 23 yards out. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good wherever you are, whenever you are, whenever you are. This is the Behind the Rails Purdue Football Podcast. I am Travis Miller of HammerandRails.com, and with me as always is Corey Sheets, former Purdue running back. Corey, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing amazing. I landed in Indianapolis just nice and safely, so uh, can't wait to see practice tomorrow, honestly. All right, you are in the same city as me tonight. We should have done this live at my house, but uh... <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been great. We should yeah. have said that. But yeah, you said this is your first. You're back here for practice tomorrow. Is this your first time back here in a while? Uh, it's probably been about five, six years. I think I came back in 2015, but there wasn't no practice going on. It was like the winter time. Gotcha. Gotcha. You'll get to see the new practice facility, get to see the new lights, uh, everything else that they've set up. They've got a really nice setup up there now for for all the players and everything. I know you said it's like, yeah, we didn't have that when when uh, you were playing. So Right. So I'm, I can't wait to see all the goodies these guys get to enjoy. <laughs> that's $65 million. It better be worth it. Oh, man. That's a, wow. <laughs> yeah, it better be nice in there. <laughs> So tonight we will be previewing Purdue's next opponent, the Yukon Huskies. And we were kind of talking in our pre-show here. You actually are from Connecticut and you were recruited by Yukon. How was that experience, especially since uh, that was with Randy Ensall, their now departed head coach? Uh, yeah, that was a honestly it was a great experience because uh, having Yukon support the, the home guy and uh, Coach Atsu actually showed it to a couple of my practices in high school. So that was Pretty cool to see and finally get the first D1 uh, head coach to come to practice. You know, you grow up thinking about that stuff, and then for it to finally happen, it was uh, it was kind of cool. And then, then UConn was doing as well as they was at that time, and uh, Coach Elsa bringing them, bringing them to actual Division One program as opposed to the what it, they was at one A or two A. Uh, they, yeah, they were just coming up. Uh, that was, uh, it looks like 2003 was their fifth season at the FBS level and they were still independent. It was right before they joined the big East yeah. and they went nine and three in 2003, uh, lost to Boston college, lost to Virginia tech and lost to North Carolina state, which really pretty damn good for an independent, uh, relative newcomer. And now, I think Boston college was pretty good then too. They, they, yeah. they had a real good season that year, I think. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, Purdue fans will be happy. They beat Indiana 34 to 10 to start the 2003 season. So <laughs> <laughs> that's always good when they lose. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, you're kind of familiar with the program. Obviously, they are not doing as well as that. Um, they come in. Edsel just stepped down after going six and 32 in this most recent stretch. They did not play last season. And they are coming off of a 10-point loss to Holy Cross. Um, oh, wow. Again, you're from the area. <laughs> kind of what is Holy Cross like in terms of a program? What is the Holy Cross in Connecticut? Yes, I believe it's in Connecticut. That's like, uh, that'd be like 
Purdue losing the Uli Pui. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, that's bad and IUPUI doesn't have a football team so I mean neither did Holy Cross for a while like I, I used to run track at their, at their uh, on their field in high school and like they had a real nice football field but I and mind you I grew up there never heard of a football game not once but they always had a nice football field so now that you're saying that they beat UConn like that's a, that's a big leap <laughs> well they uh, they were actually at the FCS level, one level down, and until uh, until about the last ten years or so, they were in a league that did not have scholarship players. Now they do; the Patriot League does allow scholarships now for athletics, but uh, yeah, that's it's not okay. a good look. I was say now, now, now marinate on that because you only get so many scholarships a year, so it ain't like they're gonna get a hundred scholarships off their first two years, like. <laughs> So a lot of them guys are probably paying their way. You know, you said you were looking at things and uh, you're like, oh man, they lost to Holy Cross. The numbers are not good. They have played two games so far and they can't really run the ball. They can't really throw the ball. They can't really stop anybody from running or throwing the ball. I mean, it's it's a stat game. This is honestly for Purdue to come they and play – Oregon the way they did. Let's say you had a couple of guys get some nicks. This is this would be a perfect game, and I'm saying this is an easy game because they're still athletes at the end of the day. But uh, yeah, this is one of those games you can come and polish some things up that was rusty or, or messy in week one, and get it right week two, so that week three when you play somebody that you know is going to be on point. You ain't got to worry about those things because you fixed it last week. So this is this is a, this is a great time for us to be playing a struggling UConn team, in my opinion. Yeah, um, they have uh, fewer offensive yards uh, generated. Purdue had four hundred and one offensive yards generated against Oregon State. UConn has three hundred and sixty nine on the season. Now the difference being there. They have actually played two games. Uh, We've only played one, right? right. They, they were shut out 45 nothing at Fresno State in that week zero game. And then, as we mentioned, coming off of a just really, really bad loss to Holy Cross. Looking at kind of their stats here, they do have one guy that kind of stands out. He's a running back. So I'm, I'm sure that kind of that fraternity of running backs like you, Kevin Mensa, he's not been terrible uh he has two 1000 yard seasons in 2018 and 2019 has 27 16 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns in his career and not i mean he's a solid solid running back how, how many sacks they they gave up so far uh they have given up seven sacks seven sacks i don't think kevin's going to be doing too much uh running if, if they're giving up seven <laughs> sacks already Say, uh, uh, yeah, because I know you mentioned in our last uh, our last episode about how important the offensive line is and everything. Exactly. So if that's the case, Karloftis looked to have a big week. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was already living in Oregon State's backfield. He was coming in this close every single time. It was almost like, are they going to throw a flag on him or are they going to give him the, give him the, the leeway? But uh, Karloftis <laughs> should, have, should have a big week this week. And if he has a big week, the secondary might come up with a few uh, lucky picks or or desperation throws, and they come up with some picks that way. So, 
it could be a it could be a fun game to watch. <laughs> Ab- absolutely, I know that's one of the, been the key things is Purdue's secondary struggled last year, but I tend to think that their secondary struggled a lot because Karloftis was hurt a good portion of the season, and I know he missed a couple games due to COVID. When he was the entire focus of her pass rush, and he goes out you don't have a pass rush exactly. and that makes it that much more difficult for the secondary. And then on that, how, what you, what years are those guys? Were they sophomores? They, they were, he's pretty young, right? Yeah. He was a, Carl Loftus was a sophomore no, 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 and junior the, this year. I'm talking about the guys in the secondary. They were sophomores and juniors this year, right? Yes. Yes. So uh, they was freshmen and sophomores last year. They probably being red shirt, freshman or red shirt, sophomore coming off of an injury. So they was, they probably was young. So that's 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 growing pains right there. You got you got some guys that's, that got some games underneath their belts now. Those silly mistakes that coaches was telling them over and over again, they shouldn't be making now. Right. I know the one that stood out to me was uh, Cam Allen. He had the interception on Saturday night against Oregon State. He now, I mean, he had two interceptions last year. He's got one this year. He, I think he's a really promising player, promising safety, and it'd be nice to have him have a big game here too. Yeah, that would be great. And he, 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 this is what UConn changing the quarterback this week as well. He might, he might yes. get another one. Mess around, get two. Just if you, if you confuse, if you confuse the quarterback well enough, you mess around and get two off of him, which would be great. Yes, it w- it would be fantastic. And I know another thing that I'm looking forward to is, like you said, cleaning up some things. I think Purdue's offensive line really has a lot that they need to work on. They only gave up one sack, but Jeff Plummer was really, he was kind of pressured all night long. Couldn't really get too, too comfortable, but this is a game where he should be able to get some comfort and work on a few things, don't you think? Yeah, this is definitely be a game for the line to tighten down and get those calls because hopefully games, games uh, they're winning by a lot and offense will be quiet. Oh, the crowds will be quiet when the offense is out there, and they'll be going crazy when the defense is out there. So both lines should be able to tighten up this week, to be honest with you, but especially that O-line. They clean some things up. I'm looking for them to run the ball, too, because if they're up a lot, they're going to be looking to kill a clock. And if you get those big guys moving in the run game, there's only cakewalk when they're passing the ball. Yes, definitely. It's been – it's been a while since Purdue's had a more consistent run game, and I think that's a big key to the season. And that today, this is a game where you can really work on that, really getting that down, uh, especially headed to Notre Dame here in a week. Uh, there's an article here that was written about a year or two ago, or, by, or in 2018 by Alex Kirshner of SB Nation, talking about UConn's defense then. It was not just the worst at the SBS level, it was one of the worst college football defenses of all time, dating Ouch. back to 1918. <laughs> Ouch. They, they were giving up 53 points per game through six games in that season. They finished the year giving up more than 50 points a game for the entire season, which there, there were at the time there were only two other schools that had done that, 1997 Louisiana Lafayette and 1918 Stanford. I wasn't even alive then, so. <laughs> and that was <laughs> games were played on black and white, right? <laughs> it's like, well, wow, I mean, that's... 1918 Stanford at least had the excuse of World War One was going on as well as our last pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> what are the, what are the, the irony, right? <laughs> Purdue's going to have room to do what they want. David Bell, David Bell's going to oh, have big day, big day, just, big day from him. Hey, 
Yeah, that definitely. I'm looking at it at the passing yards allowed is 259. Man, Bell should have half of that himself. <laughs> so <laughs> look for another hundred hundred plus yard game from him. The only reason I can see Bell not getting over a hundred yards is if Purdue just gets up big before he even has a couple catches and we just don't have to go to him. But you know, no, I, I he's the number, he's the number one receiver. You gotta go to him. He's gonna get he's gonna eat before anybody else does. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> you got to go to him first. You got you got to get him off because he's going to electrify everybody else and, and and attract eyes from the defense. So once he starts attracting eyes, then everybody else can go off and, and, and get their little piece of the pie. So I know you had, during your playing days, you had a number of these games where you know, you're playing a clearly overmatched opponent and everything. I'm thinking like Indiana State or something. How do you stay focused for a game like that where you know – Hey, we we've got a real shot to you know just blow this team out. You know how do you avoid looking ahead to the next week? You know, start thinking about your stats. <laughs> if you want to stay focused <laughs> on that game, start worrying about your stats. So for me as a running back, I couldn't wait till we got up big because I knew I was getting the ball and we weren't going to do no more passing. So <laughs> <laughs> if you want to focus on this game, especially with uh, who it being next week. You don't want to get ahead of yourself and mess around and, and, and let UConn uh, use you as their building block. So, and that's exactly what the new guy is going in there telling them this week. Hey, I know we got a lot of things going on right now, but let's use Purdue as a stepping stone to be something great. We can still save this season. Because they only lost, what, two games? Uh, yeah, yeah they've, they've lost both their games, but they, they've only won six in the last three years, and they did not play last year at all due to COVID. I mean, it could be bad news bears of football. <laughs> Crazy things that happens. But I, if I'm if I'm a coach and producer, if I'm telling my guys, don't let it be you. It better not be you. <laughs> right. I mean, I th- this is just Purdue is a 34 point favorite as of right now, and I cannot think of a time where we were a 34 point favorite over anybody. It's been a while. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. Definitely. I'm looking back around when you were playing. We beat Eastern Illinois 52-6 to one of the years you played. I mean, that's an FCS game. You should win those by that much. <laughs> I said, we beat Miami of Ohio real bad one year, too. I had like five touchdowns or something like that on them. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, <laughs> I, call, that, I call that the Bundy. Four touchdowns in one game, like Al Bundy. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, married with children. It was something crazy like that. I, I couldn't believe it. Every time we got in the red zone, they gave me the ball and I scored. Everybody's looking at me crazy. He's like, hey, you going to get – no, because they might not give it back to me again. <laughs> <laughs> this should – should. I, I'm not anticipating any problems here. I mean, what what's some of the warning signs that you would see just if Purdue is going to have trouble? What do you think it's going to take here? To, for them to have – trouble to have any trouble whatsoever really i mean you really gotta they have to go in there and just underestimate their opponent sort of how like uh ohio state did a couple years after i started play, I stopped playing and we beat them at, at what was it they beat them at the horseshoe right uh we've not won at ohio state since 1988 but, but was, we beat them we beat them home yeah we beat them at home in uh Danny Hope's first season. Yes, I'm. I'm definitely telling you they they underestimated Ohio, you know, Ohio State underestimated Purdue and they went in there and got their asses handed to them. So if <laughs> if Purdue lets or flies to UConn, or, I mean not the UConn to Connecticut, 
and think this is going to be a cakewalk. They mess around and, and, and they fight them because of something else we don't know about. It ain't got nothing to do with the players. <laughs> so <Nah. clears throat> don't let it be that that situation is what I'd be telling my players. Now, throughout your career uh, professionally, did you ever have to deal with an in-season coaching change? What kind? How could that be an effect, really? Kind of. I, I will say I was on a team that had a mid-season coaching change when uh, my last year playing with the Raiders, but I was hurt. So it really didn't affect me. But uh, it affected the team. It was just a lot of questions going on in the locker room. Like, now you're starting to second-guess the coaching staff opposed to you should be siding with them and buying into what they're selling. But when the head guy gets kicked out, uh, gets kicked out over a text message, like <laughs> you start questioning a lot of things. So it, it can affect you one or two ways. It can be good or it can be bad. I've also seen it, a coaching change happen midseason, and they end up in the championship, championship game. It all depends on who's that guy and if he gets the team to buy in. But that first week, they usually get their ass kicked. <laughs> And, and I know you sort of experienced a coaching change because you were there for Coach Tillers last year, and they already knew Danny Hope was going to take over. Nah, that wasn't yeah. no coaching change. We was hoping for Hope, Hope to take over because we wanted to run the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna be like, this guy's side is true. We when uh, that last meeting before we found out like what was actually going on, we all were sitting there talking like, hey. Coach Hope might take over till we get to run the ball. So, like, the guys on offense that wanted to run. Man, Coach Tilly came up there and, and told us that uh, he made a promise to the, the senior class that he'd see us out, and he wanted to keep that promise, and then he was leaving after this season. Man, the senior class looked at each other like, we like you, but we, uh, you could, <laughs> it's okay. You can leave a little early if you want to. <laughs> but you still had, like, 16 rushing touchdowns that year. So, you got to play your I would have had tw- – 30. <laughs> 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 and that was the first year I didn't have to share the load with nobody. I would have, man, I probably would have rushed for 2,000 yards that year with that <laughs> O line. <laughs> so we have, that means we have an alternate universe where it's Heisman Trophy winner, Corey Sheets. You're absolutely right. I promise you that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, I mean, I don't think we have a whole lot else really to address here with UConn. I mean, how many different ways can we just say they're bad? There's no way Purdue should lose this game. When I say they're bad, they got a coaching staff that's trying to put out fires. They got another coach in there that's trying to make sure he he, he got the job at the end of the season or he got a job at the end of the season. So it's, it's a lot of things going on, and I can only imagine what those players are thinking, but Purdue ain't probably one of it right now. At least as a fan, it's kind of refreshing that I'm looking forward to a relaxing Saturday. Like, oh, hey, we should go up. I get to see lots of touchdowns, lots of points. Get you a couple Uh, brews next to you. Get you some popcorn. It should be a show. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, My my son has his first soccer game on Saturday, and then it'll be done by the time we get it on TV and uh, just, just enjoy watching some college football. Is it a so, is it a uh, night game or or a day game? It is a three o'clock kickoff on CBS midday, Sports midday. Network. Okay, midday game. I'm gonna have to watch that on my phone, but I'm gonna be at a wedding. <laughs> oh, there you go, there you go. <laughs> that is the beauty of things. You can watch these games on your phone now. If you're, ain't, ain't that if you're crazy? Somewhere else. I, I remember we was lo- downloading movies to our iPod, and then we had to watch it on a 
a six inch screen. Now I got a whole tablet. That's all I do is watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> there was a Purdue basketball game at Wisconsin in the first year of Big Ten Network, mm-hmm. and my cable did not have Big Ten Network. And I oh. remember watching the game tracker and listening on the radio. And I can't imagine doing that now. <laughs> well, you got so many ways. Only reason why you shouldn't watch a game is because you ain't got no internet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there's too many ways to watch a game. But uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, definitely. So I guess last question before we run, shut things down here. Um, Looking slightly ahead to Notre Dame next week, uh, how big of a game was that for you? I know that you were on the last team to actually beat Notre Dame, and it was still a pretty big rivalry. They've been off the schedule a little while, but was you know just what did you look at when you saw that schedule? Like, all right, you know, here here come these guys. Honestly, I had some friends that I went to high school and played against. So whenever I saw Notre Dame, it was like, all right, I got another rivalry game that stems further than just the history of Purdue and Notre Dame. It's, they got one of the guys, is rest his soul, he's uh, passed away right now. But uh, ASAP Swap, he was the fullback for Notre Dame when I, when I was I up remember there. remember that name. So and he went to a rivalry high school. So it was kind of cool that like the rivalry kept it, kept it continued, but it was all love whenever we seen each other just because we were from the same place. But, uh, yeah, Notre Dame has held a special place in my heart, and I couldn't wait to shut them guys up every time we played them. It's like <laughs> my first year on the field, we came – we were so close to beating them. Like, it was crazy. And I think if I hadn't dove out of bounds and tried, tried to just run the guy over and scored, that probably would have changed the game because the very next play, Gerard Voigt fumbled on the one-yard line. Mm. And that – like, the game was totally different after that. But uh, beating them – up there at Notre Dame's place is amazing. Actually, that was my last time up there we won. Not messed my shoulder up, but uh, it still was a great game. <laughs> so <laughs> I love beating Notre Dame whenever I could beat those guys. It's always fun. Absolutely. So definitely looking forward to that one. Uh, get them back on the schedule for the first time since 2014. And just- do, they, does it, do they have the uh, – the, what's that thing? The Shillelagh? Yes, uh, they won seven in a row because the last time we beat them was 2007. Okay, so they didn't had it all this time. Yeah, that needs yeah to they've, back had, home. they've had it this whole time. And, uh, you know, it, that's one of those games where, you know, assuming Purdue comes in at 2-0, which they should, it's a real chance to uh, take a step forward as a program, I think. And if you're competitive against a team that was in the playoff last year when – you know, not a lot of people were talking about Purdue. That can set up a lot of things going forward for the rest of this season. And, of course, if you get the win, even better. I mean, right. You get the win, you halfway to bowl contention. They still need only six, right? Or is it seven now? Yes. Oh, six. Shoot. You halfway home to, to, to knowing you, you're not going to Christmas <laughs> or uh, anything like that. So you, you get there, get this second one, and then go out there and shock everybody. That's not a Purdue fan. And beat Notre Dame. <laughs> the season's looking pretty good. You're going in. Does it a bye week shortly after that? They host Illinois and Minnesota, then have their bye week. So going into the Big Ten undefeated after beating Notre Dame sounds a lot better than <laughs> the opposite, right? Oh, absolutely. I I totally agree. So, but that'll we'll have more on Notre Dame next week. Uh, but 
we'll just take a break here and be able to talk about hopefully a victory next week over UConn. It should be a win. Big win. And, big win. Uh, we need a big win this week. Can't it can't be little. They got to be definitive. <laughs> I would have a lot of concerns if this game is close, honestly, and I, I think I'm not alone in thinking that. I mean, I think everybody shoot. They might even have a lot of questions <laughs> if they lose this game. What? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Corey, for our third episode here. We're getting better at this. Uh, Corey's got his mic now, so he sounds really good. We're going to we're gonna have a good time the rest of this season, and we thank you for listening. Uh, follow our links. We'll, you'll be able to catch our feed on pretty much any podcast feed that you listen to your podcasts on, and we'll go from there. We look forward to talking to you next week. So thank you very much, and uh, Boiler Up. BTRFU. We're out. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.